I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. So I begin talking to this guy from Fox and I say, it's really too bad about Strahan because, you know, we went from Howie Long to Strahan. Happy anniversary, Michael Strahan. It's really too bad he doesn't endorse anything. And the fellow says to me, oh, he has a clothing line. I go, what? What do you mean he has a clothing line? He says, oh, yeah, he makes suits. All the guys on the air, they're wearing his suits. They're wearing his suits. And I said, okay, 41 long. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> really? This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It is with great disappointment that I report to you people that nobody from Fox or Strahan Enterprises has reached out to me to tell me my suit is made. You know, or ask me what customizations I want in the lapel or the monogram. I haven't had that yet. I'm waiting for that. Michael, you're looking at me quizzically. No, as if I'm, I'm just an imagining idiot. that this is going to be a slim fit suit. Zero chance it has any pleats. So I look forward to your trying this on. I can't. I won't be able to fit into it. I is just what think it's going to look like it comes from. Michael Strahan weighs 250 pounds. Howie Long weighs 250 pounds. And they can't. Terry Bradshaw weighs 250. They, they, how much? How much slim well, fit can they do? I don't think you're designing suits just for your own needs. Oh. Well, you should. I mean, <laughs> you should. All righty. Uh, let me, let me get to a couple of things. Day. Um, I wanted to, I, I looked through some emails last night because we have a backlog, honestly, of hundreds of emails, many of which, most of which, almost all of which we will never get to. But I was just looking through because I had about 15 minutes to do that last night in between other tasks. And I found two emails that I thought were really good, and I wanted to lead the show with these particular emails. I also was thinking about, I, um, I in, uh, endowed a scholarship at Binghamton University some years back. Not, not a lot of money or anything like that. The person who gets it probably gets about $2,000 a year. That's probably all that's in there. But I, I, they asked me what I should call it, and I said, the, how about the Tony Kornheiser Newspaper Scholarship? Even though they don't have a newspaper anymore, everything's online. But the newspaper is still named the same as it was 50 years ago. I worked for something called the Colonial News, and this is now called the Pipe Dream. And it took over that name around 1968 or 1969. I had stopped working for the newspaper then. I'd, I was done um, doing that. And so it still has that name. And so somebody who works on the newspaper gets a small stipend every year to help defray college costs, which even at a state school are very high. Um, and a, a woman named, hold on a second. I had to lean down and get off the mic. A woman named Elizabeth Short is the recipient this year. And she wrote me a beautiful letter. And she wrote me a beautiful letter. And I just thought that was nice. They never tell you how to get back in touch with them. Because this is sent through the Binghamton University Foundation. And they didn't do it. But it's a beautiful letter. And, and she just starts out, I hope you're staying safe and healthy during this difficult time. Thank you so much for awarding me the Tony Kornheiser Newspaper Scholarship. I didn't do that. I, I, 
it is specifically said that those people who run the newspaper should make those judgments. I should not be making those judgments because I don't know enough. It was such a pleasant surprise to hear from Professor Haupt, and it was a much-needed morale boost at the end of last semester. I'm currently a rising senior majoring in English with a concentration in literature and rhetoric. I'm also minoring in biological sciences. So, she, I mean, that sounds really good. I began working at Pipe Dream during the second semester of my freshman year. After working as an editor for my high school paper, it seemed like the logical next step. At the time, I was only majoring in biology, and surprisingly, studying English wasn't really even on the table. After joining as a staff writer for the opinion section, I spent two semesters submitting columns before being selected to begin training as an assistant opinions editor. During that time, I realized writing had always been a constant in my life. Well, of course, I worry if a piece will be good enough. Writing was something I could never give less than my all. I'm grateful beyond... I'm beyond grateful uh, to my previous editor who made my voice a welcome presence in the section and reminded me that I was a capable writer. I can only hope to continue to make sure that anyone writing for us feels that they are heard and respected. It's just... It's just really nice. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad that Elizabeth Short won this thing. She says, after college, I hope to attend graduate school. As of right now, I am most seriously considering applying to the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at City University of New York. Their program seems unique and innovative, and there I can hopefully pursue a concentration in film and documentary studies. To me, this seems like a perfect opportunity to merge my passions for writing, journalism, film, and learning as much as I can from others. So she totally dumped biology. Totally dumped it. Which but not is, entirely, and this is, this is a great reminder for all young students out there about balancing your portfolio. Yeah, right. So, I mean, in college, you make decisions. You find out what you like. You're able to study on your own. You find out what you like, and, and she saw a different path. So I, that was nice. That's, those are not the emails, though. Here, the first email, this is from Steve O'Donnell, and listen to this. He's talking about Tommy Lasorda, Tommy Lasorda, who recently died when he was the oldest living member of the Hall of Fame, who may now be Willie Mays. May now be Willie Mays, I'm not sure. But Tommy Lasorda. My best Tommy Lasorda story was the time I was with the Dodgers double-A team in spring training. Whoa, what? <laughs> what? I was with the Dodgers double-A team in spring training, and we're on a side field playing the Astros. I see Lasorda, all sweaty, come around the corner with some old dude, and he's talking to our manager, Jerry Royster, in the middle of the game. We're on defense. I'm at third base. Jerry calls time and calls me in and replaces me and says, Tommy wants to talk to you about something. So I go over, I shake his hand, I ask him what's up, and he says, I want you to meet Roly Massimino. You guys probably have a lot of Philly hoops to talk about. Piazza doesn't know crap about college basketball. So Mike Piazza, being the guy who Tommy drafted in the 4,000th round and went on to the Hall of Fame. So I shake Roly's hand and I say to Tommy, man, I'm hanging by a thread to make this team. And Tommy says, you're fine, don't worry about it. So I talk to Roly for about 20 minutes, about L Train and Legler and my official LaSalle visit to see Villanova versus LaSalle at the Spectrum, <clears throat> excuse me, in the winter of 84. Nova won the national championship that year. Yes, they beat Georgetown. Great conversation. Sadly, I was sent down to high A ball a week later and was released after that horrific season. The lone highlight playing golf with Glenn Hoffman, John Tudor, and Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax in Vero Beach. I'm still trying to figure out if he meant don't worry about it because my career was basically over or don't worry about it because I want my friend Roly to be occupied right now. <laughs> All the best. Love the show. Thank you for the 20 plus years of laughter and insight. Tell Saliza to eat it. That, boys and girls, is a great email. I mean, you're dropping names all over the place. The guy was a major, you know, he was, he was a high minor league baseball player with designs on the majors, and he has a great sense of humor in looking back on Lasorda. That's, isn't that great? Perfectly timed email. Just perfect. And this one is from Michael in Atlanta, and he goes, Dear Dr. Grandpa, 
For the last two years, I've been dating a beautiful woman. She's the complete package, smart, funny, and has a smile more infectious than COVID-19. But there's one red flag, and I feel embarrassed for her as I type it out in this email. She owns a Subaru. She has no children. She hates her family, so she doesn't quite fit the stereotype. Nevertheless, she loves this stupid car more than just about anything on this planet. I've been listening to the show for years. I followed your work long before I was bar mitzvahed in front of my local congregation. It was important to me that I could share this high-quality podcast with my girlfriend. I thought, she's going to love it. And if not, she'll at least walk away with some coupon codes for reputable companies, such as MeUndies and Brooklinen. However, I knew that if she heard of your anti-Subaru stance, she would never give it the chance that it properly deserved. So for the last year and a half, I've listened to every podcast twice each day. The first time through by myself, I note all the timestamps at which you and your colleagues bash Subaru owners. And the second time through is with my girlfriend, and I skip through any Subaru owner jokes. My excuse has been, oh, this is where they talk about hockey. I don't want to listen to this. And she has accepted this excuse without any question. Last week, we made the drive from Illinois back home to Georgia. She could tell I was in a bad mood from the long drive. To raise morale, she had the idea to play our favorite podcast. Before I could reach over to the phone and turn it off and make an excuse... You opened your show bashing Subaru owners, and your foot never came off the pedal. Just well, like that, Pandora's box had been opened, and there was no going back. I was blindsided by this revelation, and I tried to make my best excuses. It was only a joke, but segment after segment, you made fun of Subaru owners. And with each joke, a darker shade of red field filled her face. It has been a week, and she refuses to listen to your show. She's under the belief that I no longer am a listener. But I'm a loyal little, and I've been listening piecemeal throughout the day when I take the dog out for her walks. I don't know what to do. It's all been very overwhelming. All the best, Michael from Atlanta and P.S. Tell Michael it's raining. It's brilliant. It's great. That, like, I know these are really long, and we can't get to these sorts of emails at the end of the show because they're too long. But I do, every once in a while, sort of weave through some of the emails to see if anything's really great. And those two are really great, right? Yeah, a, f a few thoughts. So, Michael from, from the ATL, what do you think the, uh, your Braves are going to do? Or are they going to try and match what the Mets are going through? Are, are you worried about will the Phillies get real Mewtwo or not? But, but no, to, to the question about the Subaru, I have a confession to make. I've been thinking about this since KJ bashed you about, what was it, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago for being too harsh on Subaru owners. You think of buying one? I'm thinking of getting a Subaru. Really? Now, hear me out. We're in a stage of It's a of lot of life. money. You're going to be disowned. You're going to lose the money. We Your need, sister's getting it all. space for two car seats in the back. Still got the, still got the forward and the back-facing car seat. And we have the sedan. It fits It fits little Lord Walker when I pick him up from school. But he needs room to stretch his legs. And I'm looking at this Subaru Ascent. Yeah. It looks pretty nice. It A-S-C-E-N-T. It looks like it comes standard. Why don't you make it, it the, the Subaru Descent, which is what's going to happen in your bank account. As it descends, <laughs> you buy a Subaru. <clears throat> no, they're, I'm sure they're high-quality cars. It, it's, it's just that all that goes with it, you know, all that travels in the cloud above the Subaru that allows you to think of yourself as somewhat more But I pious. think that'll give me some safety as I travel through my little Northwest D.C. enclave. Enjoy that. Safety Enjoy that, that the Cadillac does not offer. Will you get the uh, the, the car. kayak thing on top of the, on top of the car? Oh, you, you that? have that to. Tool T H U L E. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go for the soft travel bags. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so we've devoted a lot of time to Alabama and Ohio State, haven't we? Uh, in terms of looking back on it, it's not a game. Alabama is really great. Uh, they're not the greatest team ever, even if their quarterback Mac Jones, <clears throat> who's 17 years old, says that with the perspective of a kid. Uh, but they were really, really good all year on offense, not so much on defense. And they destroyed Ohio State. And for those people like Wilbon, who you know want to tell you that 
Ohio State playing only six games before getting into the, into the tournament has no effect. It actually does. You know, the more games you play, the more experiences you have to draw on. The more circumstances you're in where things are tight, you know, the better your muscle memory. Um, Alabama gave up 48 points to Ole Miss and 46 points, I think, to Florida. So their defense is totally suspect. But Justin Fields had nothing special. He was totally special against Clemson, nothing special against Northwestern, in fact, actually mediocre, and nothing special at all against Alabama without a great defense. So, you know, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I I felt the best team won. I don't like Nick Saban personally, but he now has seven college championships overall, and at Alabama, I think it's six in 14 years. That's better than Belichick. Belichick, and they're great friends. He was Belichick's defensive coordinator at Cleveland. Belichick had six Super Bowls in 18 seasons, and nobody will ever do that. And look at Saban. It's just, am I right, Michael? It's you hard are. to and, knock and when Saban. You, and when you, come back, when you come back to this winning percentage, you just have to come back to the overall health of this sport. And you look at this, you have no issues with the fact that, say, these major markets of D.C., New York, all around the country mean nothing if you look at the actual regional nature of this game. I know you had Ohio State in, but yeah. can that continue past sort of Saban's success? It's um, it's remarkable, and and I actually think that one of the things Saban did. Saban is a defensive guy. He's a you know a DB in college. That's what he is. He's a defensive guy. He does not respect offense in the slightest. Belichick is actually the same person, a defensive guy. Saban used to win these championships nine to six. He disdained wide open spread offense college football, and then he saw. So many teams go into it, and he saw what they were able to do, and he was looking directly at Auburn, which beat him, and LSU, which beat him, and he said, okay, I'll play that game. I'll beat you at your game, and he did. He did. He's, this is what Mike Krzyzewski did. Well, Mike Krzyzewski didn't want to recruit one-and-dones, thought it was destructive to the fabric of college basketball, didn't want to be a part of it, and then he saw what Calipari did, and he said, okay, I'm doing it too. And he has won by doing it, even though he doesn't particularly like it. I don't think Saban particularly likes it, but he's won. He's recruited the best offensive people. That quarterback, that wide receiver, and that running back, they're great. Nobody has a threesome as good or better than them. They're actually great, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in a way, it's fun to watch. It's difficult for me because I'm not a fan of Nick Saban's, but as a coach, yeah, it's just, I feel the same way about Belichick. I don't really want to spend any time with him but because uh, I have spent time with him and it hasn't been good. But in terms of coaching and motivation and seeing the whole board, <laughs> they're fabulous. Uh, we will take a break. We will come back with Leon Harris and Gary Braun. We'll do a news segment with them when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the TurboTax read. You're unique and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situations, and answer your questions. And on top of all that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and you want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you're now self-employed, you need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction such as a new water tank. Or maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live tax experts can answer your questions, 
give tax advice, review your return before you file, or even do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. File with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Don Stewart, who writes, Thanks for bringing more of the staff on your show. It's not that I haven't enjoyed you, Nigel, and Michael, and Sean, but it's even greater to hear Gary, Chris, Jeannie, Leon, David, Tori, all the great people, too. I had to watch both my alma maters, Texas A&M and the University of North Carolina, play against each other, but my favorite part was watching Jimbo Fisher running from one of his players trying to throw Gatorade on him. I don't know why I picked this song that I sent you. It's called Ooh Baby. It's just another love song. It's on my latest album, and some people seem to like it. People like it because Don Stewart is tremendous. Tremendous. Thank you for the music. He's playing in Gary and Leon. We're going to do a news segment here. Before we get to that, there's a couple of things I need to ask Leon about, and everybody is welcome to join in. And one is um, the area of your birth and where you grew up, the Cleveland, Ohio area. They are represented in the playoffs, and they won a game – Nobody thought they could win, and this must make you extraordinarily happy. I'm telling you, man, this, you have no idea what this feels like. It, it's, a, it's an exorcism. Uh, beating, it, first of all, winning a, the playoff game, that's, that's, that's a huge thing in and of itself. It's been, what, 17 years? It's also, I think, the first time since the 80s. I believe it was 81, the, first time they, the last time they won a, a, a playoff game on the road. But oh, the no, 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 was, no. It's 1969. The last road win was 1969 oh, for the Browns. Oh, man, we were even worse than I thought. Uh, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Beating the Steelers in Pittsburgh is almost as good for us as, as making it to the Super Bowl. Because um, a lot of folks don't remember. They think that the biggest rivalry right now in our division is Baltimore-Pittsburgh. But no, 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 no. That was Cleveland-Pittsburgh before Art Modell picked up the team and moved them to Baltimore, right? So it's right. Still in, there's a burning ember of a memory of that rivalry still in, in a lot of us of a certain age. And so for us, that, just, just beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, is, it, it's, there's almost no comparing it. In a game that you have no right to win because you don't have your coach there and you're going through COVID protocols and, and all of that, which oh, nobody gave you a that, chance to win. No, we had we had we were going, we were underdogs. We had half mm-hmm. the team out with COVID. The, the head coach and a couple of the coaching uh, members of the coaching staff. Right. Baker Mayfield had to introduce himself to the guy who ended up playing guard for him because they didn't <laughs> find a guy from the Jets practice squad. That team was a yeah. mess. But they started off with their foot in the hole, and and I think that that gave them a, a, a confidence that's going to help them going into this next week because this next week is going to be a, you know an even t- a taller mountain to climb. So you, you wrote me a note about this, and, and you expressed you know, the sort of small market inferiority that, that, yes. that people express all the time. And could you, could you talk to that issue? Because you also said that if you don't make it, you're hoping Buffalo does. Yeah, for the same reason, because Buffalo has suffered. You know, they've been haunted for years because of what happened with them, although they did at least make it to four Super Bowls. They just didn't Lost them all. Yeah. yeah, I lost but them the all. The thing is, right. I know, and we're in the business of, of you know trying to garner as many eyeballs as possible, and and of course you do that with um, you know with the major market teams, and unfortunately with the networks, it, it usually means anything that's got any connection to the Cowboys or the Patriots or Tom Brady. So the rest of the country gets left out because we're not necessarily fans of those guys or those teams. So to see a, a, a team from a small town or a smallish town like like a Cleveland, which has such a tortured history, uh, and, and to see Buffalo making it. 
you know, to me is is the kind of the story that's that to me is a real American story because that's you're talking about teams that are that are consistently seen as underdogs, um, and and they're, they don't ne- they never get enough attention when they win a game. As you the, the, the headline is how the other team lose. <laughs> it's not about yeah. looking at what these guys did, and you look at what these guys have done. You look at what they did when they went to the when they went to Tennessee and played the Titans down there. They ran up a score on them. Same thing with we saw in Pittsburgh. And, and if you're, you've been watching this team at all, you just know in the third or fourth quarter they're going to find a way to freaking blow it. There's always that sense. But here they did it. They overcame the, you know, the, the shadows of the past, and, and they put themselves right out in front. And they're now, they are now a force to be reckoned with. And that's something that we in small market teams, who back to the folks who back small market teams, don't get a lot in this country. So I'm loving it. Good. Let me get to one other thing, because I can't possibly have a newsman on the show and not ask this. You were working last week when the Capitol was breached. Uh, yeah. you, had to, you had to talk about that. And, and I think if people listen to the show, they understand the difference between news and opinion. But the, the news channels now are not news channels. They are opinion channels. They are hour-by-hour opinion shows. They just use news as a backdrop to give opinions. But when yeah. you're doing news for the local NBC affiliate, that is a news show. How yeah. did you – you're watching this. How did you feel and how did you deliver it to the audience? Let me tell you, it came out of literally it came out of left field. I was walking down the hallway because I was prepping for an interview I was supposed to do with Ron Rivera, the head coach of the football mm-hmm. team, and All I right. got grabbed on my way down the hallway. And so they said, "You better get to the set now because something's going down at the Capitol." So you know, this is not something that and I, mean, I watched uh, you know in and out throughout the morning. Uh, what was happening there with the um, uh, earlier in the afternoon? What was happening with the uh, the uh, electoral college count? I had no idea what to expect. So as we're sitting there watching it, it's unfolding, and I got to tell you this: this is something that my my partner, who was on with me on the set with me, Erica Gonzalez, uh, whose family is of Mexican descent, we both looked at each other. Probably once we saw those, the, the crowd going up the steps of the east side of the Capitol, we both looked at each other and said, "What do you think would happen if that crowd was brown or black?" That was, and we said that before anybody else, you know, got in a, before any any other conversation like that was was was, was staged publicly. And we just knew for sure there would be bloodshed all over the place. And so watching that, it was really, it was something because you're watching it as, as an event. You, we didn't really necessarily interrupt as much. We kept the, the, the network coverage on uh, for the bulk of the afternoon. But watching that, it was, it was stunning because we sat and we saw when, when the Capitol Police sort of opened the gates and let the guys in. We saw them when they got inside. They were just walking through Statuary Hall as if they were tourists. And what the amazing thing to me was the, the, the Capitol Hill police were sitting there watching them as they were walking through the velvet ropes. They're just walking around, taking over the place like there was, like there was no, no stress or strain on them whatsoever. We were thinking, what the heck is going on, and why aren't the police doing more? And it, we just, it, was, it was something we couldn't get our heads around. And so when we saw the, the, um, the scenes of uh, them trying to crash through the doors and, and whatnot, at one point, I think I looked at Erica and I said, "You know, we get to, we have to get some guidance from um, from the managers." But at what point do we call this an attempted coup? This is, we were we saw the incitement there at the rally over there at the Ellipse. We saw them marching down the streets. We're, we're seeing tear gas being lobbed into the crowds on the west side of the Capitol. We're seeing them pushing back and, and actually beating some of the police officers as we saw. And we later saw that there were gunshots fired. There was there were bullet holes in the marble, bullet holes in the windows inside. 
And again, it's, we were the, our, our thinking was somebody's got to say something about this not being just a protest. This is not a protest. This is not a rally. This is this is an attempted coup. So when are we going to be allowed to say that? And you know, eventually the the network coverage did actually did use the, that language. And I thought that that to me was an important thing, important point, because so much of what we do is to try to be fair and and try to be true to you know principles of journalism where you can only say what you can prove. Yeah. And and you know we don't go into inflammatory language or whatever. But this was this was what we actually were seeing. We saw an attempted coup. So, so you know, because I have a background in newspapers, you know, I, I, I need to ask this question just so you can tell people. You're not Anderson Cooper. You're not no. Don Lemon. You're, it's no. different. You have to keep your emotions in check and you have to deliver the news in a certain way. And when you get ready to do that, explain mm-hmm. to people how you, how you get on the air and sort of shed all of these things that you may be feeling off the air. Well, what we do first of all, Tony, we have to we we recognize the responsibility that we have to the audience because the the people who are there on that hill, uh, the people who are protecting that building, they live here, and their mm-hmm. families are watching, and so you have to be very very careful because you could be talking to someone while they're watching a loved one uh, in danger. So so being inflammatory, um, that's not what we're what, that's not what we're here for. We believe that our audience is with us because they trust us. And so we are going to be as diligent as we, as we can possibly be about making sure that we're careful about the language that we use, which is why I said it was, to me, I thought it was a key point when, we, when the word coup was actually finally tossed out there. But we have to be, we got to be mindful of the fact that the folks who are watching, you know, may be related to somebody you know. They may be related to you because they all live here in, the, in this market. Um, and so as a result, the pressures are on us to, be, or our incentive to not be inflammatory, to not be opinionated. Uh, it, mm. it's, it's even more so. We are we're, we don't have the freedom that they've got at the, at the national level. The national level folks have a sort of an arm's length relationship with with the people who are watching. We don't. We, we have an embrace with them. Yeah. That's, so this is all very interesting. All right. Let's do some news. Nigel, what do you got? I don't well, want Gary just... to just drift off and not be there with us. Gary, <laughs> you're still here. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, we will start off with the Houston Rockets, uh, Mr. Tony, who lost a close match last night with the Los Angeles Lakers, 117 to 100. In fact, I think it was 35-14 30, at the end of the first quarter. Now, why is this important? Because after the match, uh, James Harden said this, I love this city. I have literally have done everything that I can. I mean, this situation is crazy. It's something that I don't think can be fixed. Right. He wants out. Uh, he wants out. Gary, would you trade him or would you would you keep him? Wow. Would you just say, what would you do with James I think, Um It's starting to look like if you sink him, he's taking you down with him. And I think it, like when you get to that point, I think you just need to get what you can get. But, I, you know, I mean, it's not uh, like I would draw an analogy to the Deshaun Watson situation because I have a, a kid in my house who's a huge Texan fan and is freaking out about that. And I'm like, that, that guy's not going anywhere. You know, I'm not getting rid of that guy unless you're giving me everything. This guy, I feel like, I, you know, I, I don't know how you win with him. So what's what's the point in hanging out? If you can get rid of that albatross, I would get rid of that albatross. Tony, I don't I don't know if you saw any highlights from that game last night, but LeBron I did. I think it was in the second quarter. LeBron hit one of those no look 
three pointers that Steph Curry yeah, is no, he had a yeah, bet on on a bet with, so he like he launched a three from the corner before <laughs> yeah. the ball's even at his apex turns to face the bench and of course the thing splashes down and it was just like I mean that was in the that was early in the second quarter and they're just essentially making a mockery of the game as Nigel said it was like a wizard's game it was over in the first quarter um, Leon what, but, would, but you do, what question, would you do with Harden I dump them. You'd get rid of him, Gary. Why Leon, not? what would you do? Why not? You, you, again, you, are you going to win with him? And isn't the whole object you play to win the games? You're not going to win with him. Why, why don't you get get as much as you possibly can for him? I just feel bad for the fans there. God, they're stuck with the Texans and with the Rockets now. So I, I loved on the crawl today on SportsCenter, John Wall uh, was upset. John, John Wall of was game upset. Six. John Wall, yeah, John Wall was upset. He said, you know, if, if people don't buy in, what are you going to do? John, the, when they get rid of Harden, they're going to get nothing for him relative right. to what his skills are. And that's a 20-win team. They're, yeah. You know, it's a terrible team. It's just really a bad team. Uh, the, I guess the problem I have is you've got a signed contract. You took all of the money. You know, yeah. everything was great, and now you're saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to play for you. In other sports, it's not – basketball players have more power than football players, except maybe quarterbacks, and more yeah. power than baseball players. They do, right? They have more power. Yeah, they, do. they certainly they, do, but – go ahead, Leon. And in football, uh, football, it is the quarterbacks. Ask Carson Wentz. That's right. Look at the, That's right. Look, at the deal he, look at the deal he got, and look at how his team now is stuck. Like, you know, he's the albatross around their neck. He's, he's essentially their, their, their heart. And, and, Tony, I agree with you regarding the signed contract, but you know, just to clarify, you're not suggesting that essentially you would just keep him out of spite at that point. I mean, at some point, there, well, there's Well, you know some what cost. happened in football? I'm, I'm going to go back a few years in football. When John Gruden was coaching Tampa Bay, and he said to Keyshawn Johnson, we would rather lose without you than win with you. Get out of here. We'll pay you. We don't want to see you. That's, that happened. Okay. Leon, you remember that, right? Yeah. yeah. To be, to be Keyshawn. The, that's, the head coach on the football team is supposed to be the alpha male. It, it kind of works in that right. situation. And that's a 50-player squad. Down, it doesn't right. work that way in the NBA. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Uh, you, you, superstars get to do what they want. All right, Nigel, what else? Uh, looks like Aaron Rodgers is going back oh. to not, uh, to Jeopardy. He's going to be apparently a guest host for the uh, the quiz show. He uh, let this news slip yesterday and said, I may have jumped the gun a little bit, so I apologize to Jeopardy if they wanted to announce it. I just got so excited on the show earlier. It just went down the last couple of days, us figuring out it's very exciting. And it's going to be obviously for the offseason whenever that occurs. For, no, uh, he was. He is very excited. He he talked about meeting Alex Trebek in in his life, and he talked about watching. He watches every day. I mean, I think I think with Jeopardy, that's one of those shows that if you watch, you make time to watch Jeopardy to test yourself against it. Leon, if you could oh, host yeah. any game show, Gary, if you could host any game show, what would you host, or would you not host a show? Actually, that's a good question. Um, you know, I could dig Jeopardy. I used to be into it big time when I was working over at the, at the ABC7 station because that was our well, – we were the yeah. lead-in for it every evening. Um, that's, that would be the one because I think I'd be more – I'd be proudest of being able to win that game, you know, because you, you're, you're, actually, you're actually using your brain for that game. It's not just sheer luck. Almost every other game shows a matter of luck. Yeah. This one, that, one's, that's a, that one is one that you can really put a, like a real feather in your cap if you pull that one off. For me, Gary, when, what would you host? When I would uh, fake being sick and stay home from school to watch game shows, for me, it was the Bob Barker Price of Price is Right was the show for mm -hmm. me. But I think, um, and maybe this is a technicality because it's more of a reality show. But I would, 
I would love to host the uh, CBS show, The Amazing Race, primarily just because they're they're traveling all over the world, which looks very cool. Um, Tony, Rogers had said that um, yesterday, I think it was on the on the Pat McAfee show that he leaked this out. And he mentioned Alex Trebek being one of his idols growing up, which I thought was like the most Rogers thing ever. I mean, if I had told you someone in the NFL said they idolized Alex Trebek growing up, I'm sure he would have been one of your first three to five guests. Yeah. There's Rogers, no question. Right? You see it in the mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, the mustache. Is, <laughs> That's where you got the stash. I would host one of those shows. I'd host one of those like competition shows where if you fail, you fall into water and it's disgusting. <laughs> that would make me happy and laugh at the people. <laughs> laugh at people. All right, Nigel. One more story. Uh, well, Mr. Tony, now that you've mastered the restaurant game, I think we're looking for the oh, next yeah. business. <laughs> Did a great job. Think of an entrepreneur. Uh-oh, here we go. And I think you want to get involved in the dog food uh, business. It has increased to $5.5 billion spent on dog food annually um, in this country. So uh, to that end, Ben and Jerry's have, uh, are introducing two flavors specifically for dogs sold in four-ounce cups. will go on sale later this month at U.S. groceries and pet stores. They are pumpkin with cookies and peanut butter with pretzels, both made with a base of sunflower butter. Is this ice cream? Are, dog ice are cream? Are these supposed to be for dogs? Yeah. Because dogs yeah. should not have any milk products at all. It's actually destructive for dogs. They shouldn't have it. That's so right, milk and chocolate. Yep. Yeah. Why well, you you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing? It. I hate Ben and Jerry's. I thought ice they're cream. more into fish food. <laughs> hate them because Ben and Jerry's. Good one, Mike. They they well, they don't center, right. Well, you yeah, they don't make single food. flavors. I just yeah. you know make a good chocolate or a good vanilla or a good coffee or a good strawberry and don't jazz it up with yeah with codfish. You know all of the stuff that they put in. I don't. I'm not a Ben and I'm not a Ben and Jerry's fan. Other people, you know, they've made a ton of money over the years. Driving their Subarus in Vermont, I'm would, sure. Would you go so far as to call it the Subaru of ice cream? I would. I would. I think that people who buy it think they're better than everyone else. Yeah. And they can have it. I don't, I don't care about that. All right. This was good. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, yeah. Leon. Talk to you all, all right, soon. Guys. Very take nice. Care, Lee. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, Chuck Todd, and he's been on a losing streak. Two and three, two, three and one last week, 57, 64 and two. He's going to have to win out to get back to 500. He's going to have to win out. That's hard. It's hard. I don't know. In double jeopardy, all the amounts double. Let's see. <laughs> I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Wonder Woman 1984 read. You can experience the epic adventure Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max, now streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, and exclusive Max originals, all in one place. Discover something new to watch. The Undoing, The Flight Attendant, His Dark Materials, and so much more. We're not sure if and so much more is a show unto itself, or so much more is a show unto itself, or it's just describing the other things you can get. Go to HBOMax.com. Or download the app to sign up and start streaming today. Wonder Woman 1984 is rated PG-13 and is now available to stream on HBO Max for 31 days after theatrical premiere. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Michael Malgrand or Malgrande. I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation. He's in Briarcliff Manor, New York. 
This is a song called Pulling Me Under, and he said, Hi, Nigel, given the events of the past week, thought this song might be appropriate. Definitely sums up how I'm feeling and maybe other people too. Michael, if people like Michael Malgrand and Don Stewart, both of whom are wonderful, want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. Chuck Todd is with us now. A rough week. Two, three, and one in the first week of the playoffs. 57, 64, and two. And before I get to your picks this week, we had a conversation at one point where you said, if Cleveland went up to 10, you would bet Cleveland with your own money. Did, you, did that happen and did you? Because you picked yes, Pittsburgh. Yes, I did. And yes, I did. No, I did. Good. As, so as that line went up. So, yeah, I personally made more money than I did on the Johnny Cornacher show. How's that? Good. Well, you know what? Um, I always used to admire Andy Beyer uh, in this particular regard. When Andy said, when Andy wrote columns about who he would bet, he actually bet that. He wasn't trying to get more action on a, on mm-hmm. that horse so that when he made the score on the little regarded horse, it would be even higher. But the fact that you told me if it goes up, you're going to bet it. I, I was happy about that. I would say that was the biggest stunner of the weekend. I, ha- I didn't give them a chance at all. I did not. I was wrong. Well, my whole issue was I just and, – and I really am bummed that we can't bet against the Steelers this weekend. My whole issue was I just didn't think the Steelers could score enough points. Right? It wasn't about Cleveland. It was about how are they going to score enough points. Here we go. I'm, so. I'm looking at Ben Roethlisberger, and, and it makes you realize not everybody is Tom Brady. Okay, not everybody can go and go and go for the rest of time. Ben Roethlisberger now looks like he throws the ball like Philip Rivers. He can't get it down the field. Cam Newton and Cam Newton's, I guess, is injury and shoulder problems. He can't get it down the field at all. They're not quarterbacks. They're not the biggest. The biggest difference is Big Ben has been pummeled. Right. You know, he's one of these guys and versus Brady who carefully kept himself from being pummeled for 10 years. I mean, you know, both Big Ben and Cam Newton, I, I've always felt bad. I, you, you watch these referees, and if you're 6'6 six, six or bigger, they think, ah, they can take it. Ah, they can take the extra hit. And you would always see this with Big Ben and Cam Newton, where both Breeze and Brady always felt a bit more protected by the refs. And I don't mean that like they were going out. It's just, I just think instinctively, human nature, you think, oh, you're a big guy. You can handle the tougher hits. And you know what? Look at what happens. Ben Roethlisberger looks like a guy that has been hit too much yes. in the NFL for the last. And Tom Brady is a guy who looks like he took care of his body for twenty years. In the the, NFL. Gu- the guy you want to wonder about now is Josh Allen because he's big and he runs and he yes, he, he stands in there. So we'll see what happens in Buffalo. All right, let's get to some games. Another <laughs> another surprise: Los Angeles Rams beating Seattle and beating them the way that they did, even though Aaron Donald was out of the game. They. Russell Wilson, the second half of the year, something must be wrong with him because he is sacked all the time and does not complete passes anywhere near the way he did the first eight games. So they lost to the Rams. The Rams are six and a half. All the road teams are are dogs this week. The Rams are six and a half at Green Bay. Green Bay just picked up an offensive tackle from the Colts. It's a fabulous story. A guy named Valdir who's going to play for two different teams in the postseason, which has never happened before. Green Bay's been sitting around. They have been, and I know you love Green Bay, but they have been, they've had some very bad games this year. For a team that's a number one seed, they've had a couple of really bad games. Will you take the six and a half or will you take Aaron Rodgers at home? Well, did you, um, first of all, road teams last week, they were four and two, right? 
Yeah, they did well. Yeah, they yeah. did really well. There's another stat. Number one seeds in the divisional round um, regularly don't cover the spread, right? There's a little bit of, uh, of you know, they're the one seed. So you have a lot of That's public right. money that comes on and on them and all this stuff. Um, look, I think I said this to you about four weeks ago or five weeks ago. I put a, a I have a 20 to one um, ticket that I'm holding on a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl. Uh, I bet it, you know, about, I don't know, week 10 um, when I thought the odds were pretty interesting. I'm less confident in the Rams right now, obviously, because of this quarterback situation. Yep. But yep. Um, look, I just, the, the Rams' problem is they can't, you know, Green Bay's going to score 28 points on a bad day. Okay. Um, how are the Rams going to score 29? Don't know. And, and, and so, I normally would want to take the points here, but I am. I, I just, I just think that the Rams' offense just can't figure out how to score. I don't know how they get to to pass twenty one. Now, all that said, if the Rams win, here's what you'll know what have happened: Cam Akers ran for two hundred thousand yards, right? On, yeah. on the ter- and somehow, and Aaron Rodgers throws a couple of picks. Um, I just don't buy it. I'm nervous about the numbers, the, the point spread, but. Um, I just don't think the Rams can win, and so I'm going to go by the rule. If I don't think the Rams can win, um, then don't bet. <laughs> Here so. is the best game. The best game on the board is the next game, and people say, oh, but Tampa Bay has Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Yeah, that's the best matchup. That's not the best game. The best game is Baltimore at Buffalo. Baltimore is, yeah, Baltimore is getting two and a half at Buffalo. Lamar Jackson has said, I've never played in snow. There is some sense that there will be some snow in that particular game, this is the one. If you had to pick one game to watch, not people to watch, one game, this would be it. Who do you like? By the way, and can I be a home uh, a, a home team person here a bit? Um, as somebody who likes the fact that people still wake up in the morning and turn on the TV to whatever channel they left it on the night before, mm-hmm. on Saturday night, the, the, game is, the Bills-Ravens game is on NBC. And as somebody right. who has a television show on Sunday morning, Let's just say I'm very happy about that. Um, (laughs) We get a lot of extra eyeballs, so I'm playing on a really good game. Uh, Look, this has been interesting. You know, the line opened at two and a half, and um, I jumped on it personally because I love – I was like, two and a half. Um, Bills, okay. I thought it would go up to three and a half because a lot – you know, the Bills have been uh, sort of a very public team. People have – you know, they score a lot of points. And the line's actually moved down. It keeps vacillating from like two and a half to two. Um, I, so I'm going to stick with the bells because of everything you said, Lamar on the road and all of that stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's, I'm just looking forward to watching the game. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a really good game running and passing a really good game. If he does that again, Baltimore can win the game. He's done it once in three playoff games. So let's see. I mean, part of me feels like, Ooh, Justin Fields, he was great against Clemson, but against Alabama, he was nothing. And, and previously against Northwestern, he had been nothing. So you want to see how that goes. Cleveland getting 10 officially. Cleveland t- getting 10 at Kansas City. You just said, Chuck, that uh, there's a tendency for the one seed yep. not to necessarily cover. Um, 10 is a lot. 10 is really a lot. And Kansas City all year long has not covered, but they have won. They have yeah, won. No. So who do you like? This is a total numbers grab for everything you just said. It's a total numbers grab. Ten points, second-round playoff game, too much. Um, and, frankly, with no home field. You know, I mean, 
look, this game is either 45 to 10 or, you know, or it is a, or Cleveland keeps up and it's a shootout. I'm going to bet that Cleveland keeps up and it's a shootout. So I'm going to take the 10. But again, that is, that is no, I, I don't think there is a planet on earth. Excuse me. There's a planet on earth where Cleveland wins this game. I just right. think 10 points is too much. Okay. And the last game is Tampa Bay plus three at New Orleans. They have played twice. New Orleans has won comfortably both times, I believe. Brady has not looked good in this particular matchup, Brady versus Breeze. But it is very hard, very hard, as Dean Smith used to always tell you in basketball, to beat a team three times in the same, in the same season. I think Seattle found that out with the Rams, although I could be wrong on that. But it's hard to win three times. And Tom Brady is going into this game, his last five games, he has 14 touchdown passes and one interception. I'm, I find myself I find myself rooting for Brady, but I'm not making the bet. Who you got? You know, I'm struggling with this game. I don't think I'm going to put real money on it because of all the things you said. I'm, I'm nervous about taking Brady here because the, the Saints won. You know, it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, there's – I mean, I am moved by the fact that the football team is the only the second playoff team Tampa's defeated this year, right? Mm-hmm. And that was actually mm-hmm. in the playoffs. The Packers were the other. Um, but I'm sorry. There's something about the Saints team. If you're asking me to pick quarterbacks, I'm going to pick Brady over Breeze right now. Breeze does not look like he – Breeze looks like a guy that doesn't have another year in him. Brady looks like a guy you're like, well, I guess he's going to – in a couple of years, um, I'm going to take the the box here for this because of the rule of three. Um, uh, and and when suddenly the game is 38 to 10, Saints, I'll be like, eh, I'm an idiot. But um, the, these things I, happen. It's all right. Yeah, I, I plus there's something about I, I feel like we're a Packers, Tampa Bay, NFC Championship game. Rogers Brady feels like a pretty good. A pretty good NFC title game, so you know uh, I'm 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 gonna project myself ahead there uh, and and take the box. That would be one of the highest rated Super Bowls of all time. Brady Rogers. Oh my God. Oh, like, oh my God. NFC title well, game. Brady. I I've been dying for this. As look, I'm a Rogers apologist. I believe you know my joke to Patriots fans is: if Rogers been a Patriot, you wouldn't have lost two, three Super Bowls. Um, that. Oh, your phone is going out. Oh, your of course phone. it is. Just... All right, your phone went out. Hmm, what happened to Chuck? Well, Chuck, it was He's mysterious. Do you not hear? Wasn't it mysterious? Oh, yeah, go oh, try again. Go ahead. And of course, there Boop. he's gone again. Boop, he's gone. All right. It's the that inauguration security. But what, what he wants, uh, obviously, I, I did, shouldn't have said Super Bowl. I'm in NFC, NFC Championship. It'd be one of the highest rated things of all time. Brady against Rodgers would be great. If we gave you Chuck Todd, even with a bad phone, that would be more than enough. But we give you more. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, right, everybody sing along. Attaché. Get the timing wrong, everyone. Zoo. 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 Johnny Walker blue. All right. So Reginald last week continued his run one, one and one last week, 26, 26 and one. He's ahead of Chuck Todd. He's behind Jeff Ma, but he's ahead of Chuck Todd. 
So what did what happened when you went to see him? How many games did he won? He doesn't usually pick them all. I don't not uh, expect he, him to pick them all. He's going with all four. But before I get to that, Mr. Tony, I just want to say that uh, singing of the Reginald theme song was specifically for you, Daniel Schaefer of Wenatchee, Washington, who apparently is not a huge fan of us doing that. So that was for you, Daniel. Hope you liked it. Good. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, so, yes, I went down to the zoo. Uh, and believe it or not, he was Zoom interviewing for the Jets head coach job. Uh, apparently, if he gets that job, Bud Grant would come out of retirement to be his defensive coordinator. So we'll keep an eye on that situation. And he took a break from the interview, actually in the middle of the interview, to go over these matches. And the first one we gave him was the Rams uh, getting six and a half at Green Bay. Uh, and Reginald showed me a lovely photo of him having dinner at the Inn at Little Washington with none other than Olivia Munn, Aaron Rodgers' ex. So clearly, no love lost between him and Aaron Rodgers ooh, and the Packers. Ooh. He will take the Rams in that game. Okay. Uh, with okay. Six and a half. Uh, now, the next one we gave him was uh, Baltimore getting two and a half. Uh, and this is a lovely little photograph of him. Whitewater rafting with Earl Weaver, John Lowenstein, and Mickey Tettleton. So clearly Tremendous. has ties to the Baltimore area. We'll take the Ravens with the two and a half. Um, Tonight's let it one, be Lowenstein. Yeah, go ahead. Next one, Kansas City giving 10 to Cleveland. Um, Now, this is a lovely little video. I'm not sure where this was taken, but it was Reginald making grilled cheese sandwiches with mayonnaise, I should add, with George Brett, UL Washington, and Paul Splittorf. So clearly he's got ties to the Kansas City area, and he will take the cheese. I I find myself disagreeing with Chuck on this one, that I would would give the 10. I would give the 10, but we'll see. We'll see. Wow, you and the monkey have one mind there. Uh, and the last yep. one we gave him, obviously, was New Orleans at home giving three. And this was, uh, this has got to be from the 60s, I think. But Reginald in studio with Antoine Fats Domino and a very oh young James Carville and Archie Manning there as well. So clearly he's got ties to the New Orleans area and he will take the Saints and give the three. Wouldn't you love to hear James Carville sing Blueberry Hill with Fats Domino? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's all good. We're good on that. So we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Today's ExpressVPN read is titled Bathroom. When you use the bathroom, you always close the door behind you, right? You don't want random passer buyers to look you look in on you. So why would you let people look in on you when you go online? Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Did you know that your internet service provider like Comcast or Verizon knows every single website you visit? You know it's sinister because they put in italics every single website you visit. And what's worse is that they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN puts a stop to this. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. Good. Maybe not even by you. Good. ExpressVPN goes on all your devices, works on everything, phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can still be protected from that ExpressVPN. And the best part? Using ExpressVPN is as easy as closing the bathroom door. Just shut it. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. They don't mention if you should go over or under with the TP, though. That's right. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, 
The Verge, and countless others. So if you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash Tony today. Use Tony's exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Tony, and you can get an extra three months free. That's expressvpn.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. Good read, Michael. That was a very good read. Shut the door. Yeah, please. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. But don't send in faxes. Ow! Nigel, let me surprise you by asking you to do the Bethesda Bagel ad. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that'd be fantastic. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then stop on in. We got the bagels today. I imagine we'll get the bagel sandwiches on Friday. But either way, we're happy and you will be as well. So that'll just about do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and let me be loud about this. You go back and you get her Busy Bee. Go to the hotel and get Busy Bee. Run! Run! <laughs> Thanks to our guests today. Meet the press host, Chuck Todd, NBC4's Leon Harris, and our own Gary Braun. Thanks as well to our sponsors, ExpressVPN, TurboTax, and HBO Max, where you can stream Wonder Woman 1984 right now. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. Did I thank Jason Fuse or did I go right past that? Let me thank uh, Jason Fuse in case I missed it. I, don't, I may have may, gone right past it. We may have gone right past it. I'm so excited for the Bethesda Bagel. Yeah. Please. All right. <laughs> you, uh, RJ from Bronxville, New York, by way of Chicago. I'm not sure if this falls under the category of connective tissue, but it was brought to my attention by a friend who pays a lot of attention to the ponies. There's a soon-to-be five-year-old horse competing in races across this country by the name of Sleepy Eyes Todd. This horse ran eight races in 2020, won four of them, netting over half a million dollars in earnings. For his career, he's finished first in eight of the 15 races he's running. If only the human version could pick NFL games against the spread at that sort of clip. I'd suggest getting a picture of Michael atop the horse, but something tells me it won't have the same comic appeal as the pony picture. I think we've been aware of that, <clears throat> that Sleepy Eyes Todd was a horse. Didn't we, didn't we talk to this point a couple of years ago? I thought I think we, we did. did. Yes. I believe we did. Josh Powers in Reston, Virginia says, just wanted to let you know about an upcoming season. It's an HBO Max production. And he sent in something called And So Much More, which is winner by Best Performance by Blossom Endrot, uh, Best Binge While <laughs> Tanking a Football Game to the Philadelphia Eagles, Best Dramatic Series Streamed uh, to La Crusette, Hollywood Foreign Press. It's got a picture of a Heinz ketchup bottle on it, and it says a Greg Garcia prestige streaming event and so much more. Starring Gary Braun, Jeannie McManus, Kip Sheeman, and a cast of thousands of high school classmates of Rufus Peabody. <laughs> Music by Jerry Negrelli, special visual effects by Dan Burns, story by Louise Gluck. Uh, directed by Reginald Monkey, produced by Michael Kornheiser and Edith Saliza. That's funny. All right. Lindsey Buss in Rockville. Hi, Mr. Tony. My son tested positive for COVID last week, so he's been quarantined in his room. He's obviously bored and going stir-crazy, so we have been trying to do a good job being his hotel kitchen and room service providers. Three days ago, he asked me to make him my ham, cheese, and tomato melt. I got to thinking that if mayo makes such a great grilled cheese crust, it should work for the melt. Yes, the crust came out of golden, consistent perfection, as was promised. But the more important angle is my son just asked me to make it for the 
third day in a row. He has not asked for any other meal even twice. So, Michael, thank you for keeping this dad register a small win during the stupid pandemic. Thank you to Lindsay. From Jason uh, McClendon, the crispiest crust on a grilled cheese comes from a thin layer of olive oil. Drizzle a little and spread evenly. You won't regret it. Need to cook at a relatively high heat to crisp it, so watch closely and don't let it burn. From Matt in Pittsburgh, don't worry, Michael. You're back up in Pittsburgh. Anyone who uses butter for grilled cheese is either an eight-year-old, a savage, or both. Mayo creates a perfect crisp crust without the mayo flavor and without any soft, greasy bread. It spreads easier. It's harder to burn, more consistent. Savages, I tell you. And it's easier to clean the pan. Okay. Julie from Columbus. My name is Julie. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a freshman at Xavier University in Cincinnati. My dad's a huge fan of the show, so I've been listening as long as I can remember. I'd like to weigh in on the current condiment debate. Using mayonnaise on a grilled cheese instead of butter is an abomination. I don't even like grilled cheese, and I know that. Do you know how upset someone who doesn't like grilled cheese has to be to insert themselves into a conversation about mayonnaise and grilled cheese? Pretty upset. Christopher Kimball cannot save you, no matter what America's Test Kitchen says. God could come down and tell me it's a superior method, and I still would want nothing to do with it. You all can, however, take solace in the fact that I will see you mayonnaise users in hell where you inevitably will go. Whenever I go to Steak and Shake, I dip my chicken fingers in my milkshake. Based on the reaction my friends give me, I imagine it is a similar offense. Thank you for years of hard work and, de- and dedication to this show. My childhood would have been a lot more uh, the boring The fries and the it. frosty debate. Matt Hagen in Pelican Rapids, Minnesota. I'm attempting to do what my brothers and friends who listen regularly have not been able to do for years and break through the Great Wall of Nigel, last accomplished by the great John Peter with his well-received mailbag jingle on March 14th of 2014. You see, Paul the Redditor, for you old sport, that's a, u- that's a user of the website Reddit, who wrote in regarding the grilled cheese community hit home, as I've recently come under attack from a woman to, am- who- to whom I'm not related by marriage for appropriately calling grilled cheeses grilled cheeses, and calling sandwiches that contain other ingredients in addition to the cheese melts. Anyway, I just wanted to thank him for the support and apologize to my girlfriend when she hears this and inevitably gets upset with me for publicizing this debate of ours. She's a near convert to the pod as she's listened enough to point out and mock Subarus when she's with me and to vigorously (laughs) defend Carol and condemn your Hallmark movie mockery. Thanks for all that you do in providing the connective tissue that brings so many together and hopefully doesn't drive a wedge between me and my girlfriend. Isn't that nice? And if you read this, could you tell my brothers Aaron, a Subi, uh, that's I guess Subaru, and Travis to eat it for beating them to the punch? Okay. And also tell Lace, I had the privilege of experience a solo stove this weekend and I quite enjoyed it. From Mark Teachin, I hope I have that correct, who is the chaplain in Grace Palmer Johnston Chair of Bible at the Stony Brook School in Stony Brook, New York, not the college. So I don't hate the school, <laughs> hate the college. Dear Mr. Tony, for years I've enjoyed Michael's take on all things grilling. So when recent emailers threw shade at him, I knew he had to be right. Clearly, the second wave of emailers have completely vindicated his mayo on grilled cheese recommendation. I do have one question for Michael, though, which is whether you preheat the skillet and to what temperature, or whether you set the already lathered bread onto a cool skillet and let it warm up slowly. Please advise. No, you should preheat it, but even if you don't, it'll work just fine. Just watch it. Keep it at a low temp early. Also, I wanted to shout out to a longtime listener and dear friend, Pastor Andrew Hendley of Carrollton, Georgia. Andrew occasionally drops Tonyisms into his sermons on the off chance a parishioner will come out of the TK closet, but so far to no avail. I'm wondering if Andrew can be the official pastor who has never emailed the show with the Tony Corners show. Good. Thanks again for all the joy and laughter you've provided, especially over the last 10 months. That's really very nice. And maybe next week we can get into cast iron versus nonstick for you. Oh, that would be great. That's a tease, kids. 
Leslie Thomas writes, please tell Michael that I also learned to put a small layer of mayo over the butter on a grilled cheese. It gives a nice crunch to the grilled cheese. And my dad, USNA, class of 1952, always put ketchup on his eggs. One more. All right. Tyler Tingley. Hello, Mr. Tony. My name is Tyler. I'm just a mere mortal, so I don't get to live on Mount Scottsdale. But I do live on the western side of Phoenix, (laughs) shot at Wilbon. But more importantly, I do love grilled cheese. And I thought, what the hell, I'll give it a shot. And Michael got me. It's better with that crisp on the outside. From now on, I'm on Team Mayo. Fun side note, in a different life, we all could have been family friends. Both my grandparents, John and Nancy Pecorella, went to Walt Whitman High School and graduated in 1966. That's on Long Island. Even more, my great-grandfather was a presser in the ladies' garment district in New York City. My masculine child is about Bootsy's age. They could be buddies. Steve Silberman, St. Augustine, Florida. I keep reading. The Littles blasted Michael for stating he puts ketchup on his eggs and mayo on his grilled cheese, yet they let slide the biggest blunder during the email segment during Wednesday's show. Adam from Haymarket stated in detail how he eats tuna fish on raisin bread. What's next? Egg salad on pimento loaf? Come on, man. What are we even doing out here, man? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid.
Listen. 